0: Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift for the one of the biggest races of the year, Tour de Romandie Prologue. It's a five-day stage race. Well, no, that's six days. Five stages, one prologue. It's 5.12 kilometers, pancake flat pretty much, with an intermediate two-thirds the way through, about 2.3.5 uh, K is done. Very technical though. I mean, in this 5Ks, we have so many turns, and then there's a about halfway a really big sweeping turn that could cost you a second or two, and in a 5K TT, every second counts. So you know how we do TTs. Ethan Hayter won the TT ahead of Rowan Dennis, 52K on our average, the only two riders who went under six minutes, patreon on 5.52, Dennis on 4 seconds, Schartner, the best from Bora, on 10, Thomas on 10, fourth for the Ineos, then Sharkman, Sobrero for Bike Exchange, Ethan Vernon, George Steinhauser, the Neo Pro who was on the roll team last year on EF eighth, very good result, as well as Schmidt Ayuso rounding out a young top 10, but No real surprise that hangs with one, Benji. He's an elite time trialist, which he showed at Worlds last year.
1: Yes, certainly. And I'd argue that the shorter time trials, he might have an upper hand over some of the time trialists that are better on the longer time trials. Then we look at Rohan Dennis, for example. I'd argue that Dennis has always been slightly better at the very long time trials as well and hasn't been like, first in these prologues recently and that's why an even hater is able to beat a rider like rohan dennis on a parkour like this but what gear was this man on like jesus christ he was peddling that was a yeah a slow gear that's that's certain
0: yeah like different runners opted for different things like conversely vlasov like was spinning more later and i don't know it's with so many corners. I don't know. I actually, for once, don't actually have much input because I'm not Dan Bigum. I really don't know how to set up the equipment properly for a TT, I'll be honest about that. So, I don't know. I would have thought you'd want a lighter gear and then sprinting out of all these corners, but then, I don't know. The best... This is what I want to talk about, Benji. Is Dennis the GC rider for Yumbo now? We have Dennis on four seconds on 5.56. He's like, let me let me filter Yumbo Visma here. He is 30 seconds quicker than Christfike. He might have been their GC guy, 27 ahead of Koos. There's a lean riser on 19. I think they have
1: to go for Dennis for this GC. I think that's an option as well. And that depends on the parkour that comes later. But in all honesty, the parkour of this Romandy that comes after this prolong is not necessarily the biggest mountains and i'm not sure i trust rohan dennis completely on the smaller hills i think he can manage on like longer climbs with lower gradients like in the tour de Suisse, for example if we look at the parkour for example let's jump into stage four for a single second here it's a bit of a fake news climb it goes up and down and up and down and up and down like a a three-time staircase climb and those are not really the same kind of rhythm you go for the entire climb and that might be something that hinders him a tiny bit in my eyes and then we look at the stage afterwards which is the last stage of this race which is a mountain time trial I'd argue that that on paper should fit him although the percentages are rather high so I don't know perhaps it might be a bit too much for Dennis but I also don't trust Kreisberg at all I think because it's the best pure climber of their team at this race and I guess it's the coming stages that will decide who is the leader there and we might see that on the hilly park course that Dennis might not be as as great as a kiss for example, or something. But yeah, it's gonna be difficult to choose a leader there in that team. But I agree that Dennis definitely has the upper hand after this first prologue.
0: Once again, we saw Vlasov do a decent T one, and then as he did in UAE, uh, not a good T2. He seems not very good at regulating his effort. Um in UAE it was more stark. Here in a prologue you just make one cornering mistake, which you did in the big sweeper, and you stuff your T2. Uh but yeah, it was interesting to hear Matt Stevens reading out um the research Nychaka had done, who does the Watts estimations and calculations for Lenshinruge.com.au about Vlasov's long climbing on uh, on air. Um otherwise, Benji, I didn't know Froome was here. He is. He didn't do very well. The, but I don't want to talk about him on Israel, Mike Woods, he, he's lost 40-plus 40 seconds, 42 seconds in a five-kilometer prologue, a 5K prologue, and I understand that people said, oh, he has a different physiology, he was a runner, etc." but come on, man, that's four seconds slower than Ina Rubio. Like... How is he this bad at TT?
1: Is it the Israel setup? Like, what is it? I don't even get it because then we look at his results over the last few weeks, and yes, it's not the most crazy time trial out there. But for example, that Gran Camino time trial that Polidepp ended up winning, the initial few kilometers are flat there, the first five. And then in that time trial of 16 kilometers, he only loses like 30 seconds. But obviously, it's not to the competition we have in this Roman race, But it's still better in my eyes than we see in this race here. And yeah, that's just a, not a good result. It's it's very simple. And we saw Mike Woods last year have a period where he was going for GC, signing up for the Tour de France as going for GC that failed after a crash in the early days. He ended up going for a few stages afterwards and the KOM, if I recall correctly, but we had... I think was it Tour of the Swiss where Mike Woods was actually doing good on the longer climbs. And that was actually promising when it comes to his pure climbing. And we haven't really seen that completely this year yet. It seems like it had a bit of an inconsistent season, but the team has been highly, uh, highly attacked by, um, illnesses and so forth. But yeah, it's just not there at the moment. And this time trial definitely won't be very promising for the next week. Although I hope for that team that they find something because they're going to need it for the, uh, UCI points there. And, uh, Right now, Mike Woods is the man to go for in, in this team, still in this race, even if he's behind, I dare to say. Unless you start counting Fulsang, and if we take a look where Fulsang landed, he lost it's not too. that much better. So it's like 10 it's seconds better. Is It It has
0: to be. Benji, Patrick Bevan, the form he's in, and we saw a turkey. No way George Steinhauser can do a quicker prologue than Patrick Bevan on equal equipment. No way. I don't, at least maybe I'm underrating Steinhouse. I really like him as a rider and as a climber, but mm-hmm. Patrick Brevin would be doing a faster prologue than him on equal equipment. I'm pretty convinced. Uh, Thomas, with this performance, has put himself great. That is, as the heavy GC favorite, there is a stepped mountaintop finish that's not very – it goes up like 5K, 6% break. 6K, 7% break. Seems perfect for him and Shackman, who's just behind him, three seconds behind, and even gross Uh The Mountain TT, as you've already mentioned, the 10K, 8% with a bit of flat before it, I think, I think that could be all right for Thomas. But it really depends on, I mean, yeah, 30 seconds is a lot to pick up and I think he's going to do well in these other stages. We have hilly stages, which really st- suit the likes of Shackman and mcnulty uh any other standouts
1: yeah that's what i was gonna say are you surprised he's in the top 10 i'm not necessarily surprised he's in the top 10 i already had a feeling that he could time trial we haven't seen it too much on the road this year as he hasn't done a time trial yet but i was expecting him to do decent time trials i expect him to be perhaps the more attacking option for that team while mcnulty might Ah, it's weird, you know, because McNulty had a worse time troll than Ayuso. So on paper, you'd say that Ayuso would be the defensive type, but McNulty just seems like he's more of the defensive type in a group, I dare to say. Because when I think of Ayuso, I think of a rather attacky rider. Then again, he also attacks his teammates. So we might see that this week. <laughs> but when it comes to Ayuso, I'd rate him on the level of Thomas for GC here. And perhaps that's overrating him. I just think this is uh, one of those talents in... The world of cycling right now that is a generation, a generational talent and that therefore should be counted a bit higher than some of the other riders that have proven themselves already because this one has potential to be better than we already know. And he might surprise and be able to get away. He's not proven yet in the sense that a grain Thomas has proven. So he might be able to kind of benefit from the fact that he might be under the radar for some people, which they should know about a Yuzo. They should mark a Yuzo, but they might not.
0: I think Thomas is the heavy favorite. I really like his shape. I think the TT climb on the last stage should be fine for him. I like the mountaintop finish. I think he can win it. And, yeah, I really like Thomas. His shape looks good. He seems confident. Won this race last year. We haven't spoken enough about Hater. It's his first World Tour win. I mean, they all count, I guess, even a 5K Gromady prologue. It's It's a World Tour win, his first one. And a bit of a bright spark for him this season. He won a stage in Settimana Internationale Coppia Bartoli, which he's done well at last year. But that's a 2-1 race, even though MVDP was there. This doesn't change anything that I think about Ethan Hayter. Mm-hmm. He's already a good time trialist, better than good, elite time trialist. I'm going to be watching Can He Ride in the World Tour Bunch this week is what I'll be watching. How does he ride in the rain? How does he contest these sprints? That's what I'll be watching because at Paranese it wasn't
1: pretty uh, dangling at the back. You could say that Ethan Hayter has eaten the competition today? or
0: Ori's Hayter has shown the haters, yes. He has He has looked good. Uh, not really. I don't know. I'm surprised Cavania came 12th. Maybe that's oh, worse than that. Rather, 17th, that might be a handling thing. And O'Connor's there or thereabouts. But yeah, tomorrow's stage should be, I don't know an uphill sprint. It really looks like a McNulty sort of attack. I think the finish goes up like a 100 meter, 100 sort of climb from to about 800 meters at Ramon from La Grande Baroche. It's hilly all day. They Riders like Thomas have just done Liège. Vlasov, I think Vlasov can win this stage. He's in good shape. He needs to be aggressive. He's lost a bit of time to Thomas. Vlasov, McNulty, Shackman, all these sort of riders should be aggressive, but Hayder should be the favorite, Benji.
1: Like he really should be trying to win this stage. I'd argue yes. And I'd also look at other riders like, for example, Mikel Honore on Quick Step. Like they've got a bit of a situation there where they've got multiple riders here. Mauro Schmidt, who did that great time trial already, ninth, just ahead of Ayuso. So I'm not sure what the plan with him is in the coming days. He's shown a bit more this year already than what he did last year after that Giro stage win because the rest of the season was kind of not that much. But he looks to be Getting into somewhat of a, a place that we can start looking at him as a rider that does more than just winning that uh, fluke stage at the Giro. It's not like that anymore. He he seems to be doing more, which is great to see. But Honoré seems to be the man that I'm writing down for that team as well. Do you think that a Patrick Bevan should count for this as well, knowing? Or do you think that uh, nah. his equipment is not good enough?
0: <laughs> oh, the road bike, not so bad. I just think we have a pretty stacked start list of punchers here, mm-hmm. like Vlasov, like Dylan Turns. We have Izagiri, not a pure puncher. We have Quentin Hermans. So there's some serious punchers here. Um, and I think it might be made a bit too hard for Patrick Bevan. Uh, and Al's he or she, of course, Swiss, at a Swiss race. Not a great TT, but again, really top-level punchers at this race, so it should be interesting to see who wins tomorrow, who takes it up. But I think Hayter will be the man. He's in a leader's jersey. They'll be looking at him. He's got a strong team. He'll really be expecting to do well in this finish. It's not that difficult. That's all from Romandy. A word on our show partners, Zwift. Benji and I actually met up for a Zwift ride during the middle of the day today, had a chat on Discord at the same time, was probably one of the best... Things I like about Zwift is being able to meet up, do an hour. The hour goes so quickly. It's like you're chatting on a casual cafe ride. And yeah, that's probably my favorite feature is the meetup functionality in Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun. Although I'm not sure you classify what we were doing as training. (laughs) Otherwise, in news, we have Jean LeLong. Is that how you say it? LeLong? Long.
1: Yeah, roughly. Jean LeLong, I think it is.
0: Okay. He's the manager of Lotto Sudal. He did an interview with Sporza or Sporza reported on it. I don't know because everyone cannibalizes everyone else's content. And he was basically talking about relegation and he's now, he's still saying, I'm I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned about points. We're not just hunting points. Not true. Uh, But he said something that was true in my view. He said, it's not the end of the world if we get relegated because we should have the automatic invites and we you so we'll still be going to the Tour de France, etc. Do you think it would be so bad if they got relegated, Benji?
1: Hmm. In her, like they are in a situation where they reacted too late and it's looking like it's an inevitable thing that will happen to them at the moment. Then at some point they should start thinking about whether the short-term hunt for UCI points that might be coming towards an inevitable defeat anyway might be better off spending that time on kind of the long-term aspect of Lotto Sudal. So, for example, when you think about Lotto Sudal in the coming years, let's say that they end up relegating, for example. They end up in the uh, top two teams of Pro Conti, If they keep on scoring like this, meaning that they would end up with automatic wild cards next year towards the Tour de France and the classics. If they're third in that Conti points ranking, they'd get only classics, for example. But if they are one of those top two teams, then there's really no difference to what they have this year, which is a very good part. Because then there's no issue, really, when it comes to the calendar and they we in the spot then that Alpeson had this year, for example, and that Arkea came into because Quebec folded and therefore we went from one team having that benefit to two teams. Now, the extra part there is that I'd argue that then the question arises, they can do that for next year. Let's say their points this year is good enough to get automatic wildcards for next year. As a pro team then, they need to do that for the next year as well. They need to once again score enough points next year to get again the year after UCI World Tour points enough to get those automatic wildcards. And for that, I think they might need to adapt their team slightly. Gilbert stopping seven-figure salary, quite certain, per year. So that's money freed up. But we also don't know if the salary that Destiny, the new sponsor for Lotto for next year, is putting in is the same as the money that Sudal is taking away by leaving Lotto. So I don't know if that Gilbert money is actually completely freed up. I have no internal knowledge on that. But if that is freed up, I'd argue they need to kind of focus on uh, getting new transfers, right? Or making sure the team is better off to get those UCI points, to get those automatic wildcards, right?
0: Yeah, it's difficult for them because they have to fight the... To get into World Tour, they need to fight on the three-year relegation... No, the three-year cycle. But to get the invites every year to keep the team afloat... They need to get points each one of those years, which is more of a difficult task than a World Tour team who can have a superstar injured, comes back, gets a top three in GC at a Grand Tour, and you're fine again the next year. Kind of like DSM have been very hot and cold. I think it depends who's relegated with them. Total Energy are coming strong. They got money. They got that. Specialized performance advantage probably now compared to like the guys on on Ridley's. The I mean Gilbert says that himself, which I'm sure. <laughs> then his sponsors aren't <laughs> happy with given his current team. Total coming strong. Unox, I don't see it. I don't see Unox scoring enough points in the next three-year cycle. And it's then who gets relegated with Lotto? Is it Cofidis? Is it Israel? Israel have full sang through 24, they got Froom Woods isn't scoring, they've spent money terribly. Does Sylvan Adams know they might get relegated? Will he want to keep going? They're falling fast, so they don't get the automatic invites. Uh, so they, I don't know what's going to happen with them. If Confidus get relegated, I think it's more of a problem for Lotto because Confidus and Total could come strong and then... Lotto wouldn't get those auto stage race world tour invites. I still think they would be the favorites to get one though. Delee. this is Mm -hmm. assuming no one can break their contract. Delee, Ewan, bear Wellen's money off the books. I would go for, he probably won't want to go there. I'd go for Merlier. I know that seems like overstacking, but you know which races give the most points? The race is Merlier. Deleuze, go to. And then you have Ewan as your Tour de France man. He can do his UAE Tour de France schedule. He doesn't seem to want to do the profitable
1: races. Um, the, who else
0: do you think is a good signing or a good option?
1: The, the one issue I see with the Merlier signing, for example, is that they then have a similar scenario to what Alpecin is currently in, which helped out Alpecin as well. But they did it with two sprinters at the county level, Phillipson and Merlier. And once you got Dele and Ewan doing that as well, well, then you've also got two riders. You can't send you and Delea both to World Tour races. Like, there's going to be World Tour races for both, but they are also going to be riding smaller races where UCI points are going to be on the table. So perhaps getting Merlier as well might be overkill when it comes to the sprinting, while another place that they need points is, in my eyes, the GC pod, where they are completely lacking in any races right now. I think uh, Saudi Tour was the one exception where Van Hills was able to step up and get points for that team, but... In GC, that team currently does not have too many GC riders. Han van Hoek is not exactly the man that I see top five in World Tour races these days. And even at the Tour of Turkey, it was not necessarily the result probably they were hoping for either. But I'd argue that that is a spot they could better. And then I'd look at, Filling extra with the likes of Max Walshite, for example, that's a name they could have even gotten for this year in hindsight. And we mentioned him as a transfer that a lot of people should have picked up instead of Kofidis at the start of this year, which actually helped out Kofidis with 300 plus points this season. But that's one of those riders that I see doing well in 1.1 races cobbly type races those belgian classics that are not the top level classics but the smaller ones but also could perform in a roubaix for example and sneak in the top 15 and gain points that way so and be a leader true that's very true i hadn't actually anticipated that but i think the lee is also a big part in that team and i think that the biggest issue i see is that after the season that the lee had if i was his agent i'd have knocked on the door of the long already and asked for a Breaking up the contract or breaking open the contract to increase the salary or increase it like that based on the stuff that he's done so far, because the man has probably done a lot more than he's currently being paid for. I'd say.
0: Ah, uh, well, depends on what his renegotiation clause says. Like, what's he won? He hasn't won a dot pro race, so there's no way he can break open anything. If the renegotiation clauses will usually say you need some sort of world tour result. Um, podium or whatever in in a GC or a winning world tour race. So I think he's stuck on whatever he's on at least next year. And then unfortunately for Lotto, it's only a two-year deal. So the big teams might – or the more rich teams might come knocking for him for 2024. I think they shouldn't – I'm going to throw some names out, Benji, and let me know if you think they're a bad idea. Uran, bad idea. Like, Uran is like, <laughs> Uran, I don't see it. Older, end of their GC career, because you they need to fill that GC gap. I would let Wellens go, probably. I would go Schnellmürzer. He had the doping suspension when he was younger. That's going to devalue him in the market, because teams, some teams won't want him. And even if they do want him, they won't offer as much. That's just the reality of the market. Some teams have policies that they won't sign riders like that because um, they've had a positive, because they've had a suspension. I I really like Schielmo's shape, how he's improving, how he looked at Provence. I think he's better than Van Hoeker. He's an option, and he can develop across the three-year cycle. What about Kelderman? What about Izaguirre?
1: When it comes to Kelderman, I think that he might become too cost-worthy because this is a man that didn't he like top five to tour de France last year. I think that's between seven figures and 2 million already to get this guy signed. And when you consider that the money that is being freed, I don't think it's going to be a, a complete 3 million that they're going to have to spend on riders necessarily, on new riders at least. So I find it hard to believe that such a top level GC rider could end up on the books of Lado Sudal next year personally, but like Nizagiri is, is an option. But I think Cofidis might be happy with what de- what he's done so far, or what he can achieve in the rest of this year. And ah, uh, it's gonna be a-, a bidding war between those two teams then. And when it comes to that, it also won't be easy to do it financially. I find it a a difficult quest this year to find riders that are GC or climby boys that. Can perform well for a Lotto and are not out of the range of a budget of Lotto, for example. And last year, for example, we ended up saying that Podzovio was a nice offer on the table for teams that needed points and so forth. He ended up not getting that many points so far yet, like a hundred and so forth. But uh, I think he crashed somewhere as well, where he was getting points, but that didn't occur into uh that didn't end up with points as a consequence. But just in general, I feel like um. It's a it's a difficult market for GC riders this year.
0: I know Yanni Zagiri, 33 years old. I think is they signed him for one year just for points. Well, not just for points. The guy's been legit good. Even with the Algarve crash, he has well over, I'm trying to do some quick maths, uh, maybe 600 points even with that because he has Paranese top seven, Basque second, Anastage, Durain one-day race seventh you want gc riders who can top 10 at least three world tour stage races across the year kelderman crashes a lot i think scale yeah take a chance on someone like that and but yeah it's difficult as you said there are no names just jumping off then i'm like oh he can do that probably like even someone like Gino Maida He extended through 2024. It's really at the top of the market like a Carapaz, but I don't see them. There's no way they're getting someone like Carapaz. He's going to cost three, 3.5 minimum. So that's, <laughs> I mean, and I just don't see him going there either. So it's difficult to find top guys who can score top 10 in world tour stage races for cheap because there's a reason they're not cheap. Uh, but yeah, I think having thought about it, Lotto are not in as bad a spot uh as they as I really thought. They are in a good spot to get the wild cards, they're already front runners for it for next year and they have the assets and delay coming through. But let us know if you've been following along on the Lantern dot com dot website. We have articles every fortnight from Rael Bankeri and myself following this in detail, uh, much more detail than we can say in a podcast with graphs and data and et cetera. So make sure you check that out. Otherwise, we'll have the Twitter Stage 1 recap, a Punchers special for you tomorrow. Until then, ciao.